Last year, my family did something life-changing. After months and months of searching, I finally found it. It was located six hours away, but it was worth it. And my husband and I decided we were gonna go for it. So after that long drive of coming home, we didn't tell the kids. They didn't know it was coming. Only my husband knew. And so as I pulled into the driveway, I texted him and said, I'm here. And he ran out into the garage and he got a box with a big lid on it and took it out to the yard where I relocated what I had in my car and then we called the kids out. And this is what happened. Oh, oh he's so cute! Can we lift him up? Oh. <laughs> Thank you! <laughs> okay, put it on the ground. Put it on the ground. So what's her? Don't chase her. Oh man, it was such a fun day. Best day ever. That is definitely my favorite video of all time. I love it. We got a puppy. Oh man, after all those kisses and all that excitement and all those hugs, it became a very serious question. What were we going to name this puppy? Well, this particular puppy came with some unique markings. She came with apricot ears and an apricot snout and an apricot stripe down the middle and an apricot tail. So what do you think we named her? Oh yeah, we named her Apricot and she joined our family. Well, how about you guys? Did anyone out there get a new pet during COVID? A new fur baby to welcome home. It's so much fun to be able to have a new pet join. And I know it's been hard to find puppies during COVID. It took us a long time to find one because everybody has been thinking this is a good time to bring a dog home. Well, it got me thinking about puppy names since we took a while to try and figure out what ours was gonna be called. And I found some good ones. So for all you dog lovers out here, here's some of my favorites that all of you guys came up with, all right? Bark Twain, Kanye Westie, Mary Puppins, Jimmy Choo, Snoop Dogg, Dogzilla, and Pup-Tart. I know, pretty amazing, right? Well, don't worry. I know some of you are cat lovers, so I'm not leaving you out. I found some of your amazing cat names. Here we go. Brad Kit, The Great Catsby, Kit Kat, Perito, Jennifer, Cindy Clawford, and Claudia. Now, I know there's some of you out there are like, all right, I'm not a dog or cat person, but horses are my jam. So don't worry, I haven't left you out. I found some great horse names, but I had to like clean it up. You horse lovers out there, there's some naughty horse names out there. Here we go, Harry Trotter, Liam Neeson, Nason, Al Capone, Alimony Pony, Brittany Spurs, Maple Stirrup, Naysayer, and a Pony Soprano. Pretty good, huh? So I wanna hear it. If you've got a good one out there, I wanna hear those good pet names because they are so much fun. Now, 
Names are really important and they're fun when they come to animals, but they're really important when it comes to us, to people. When I was born, I was given the name Lisa Laura Huber. Now, my name, Lisa, is actually a derivative of Elizabeth and it means consecrated to God. My parents put a plaque together and they put it up in my room and so I grew up staring at this plaque all the time that my name meant consecrated to God. And my middle name, Laura, was always really special as well because it's the name of my grandma. My grandma, Bertle, her first name was Laura. And so this was such an amazing lady that I love so dearly. Um, she's home with Jesus now, but she was such an active part of my growing up and uh, she overcame so much in her childhood and was a woman of deep faith. She made the best pies and the best homemade soup. So I'm so happy to have her namesake in my name. So how about you guys? Who was named out there after someone in your family? Do you have like a family heritage name? Or how about like a generation's name? You know, like Edward II or Third or Fourth. I asked this question the other day and I actually met a fifth out there that someone was fifth generation named after their family. Well, when I got married, I married a man who has two first names, Carl Tony. So I took that last name, Tony, and added it to my collection of names. So I became Lisa Laura Huber Tony. Now, I also have four young little people in my life, four kids, and they have a very special name for me. They call me Mom. And so it's a pretty fun, special nickname that I get. But you know, a lot of people, actually have that name. And so when we're in a dressing room and all the people in the dressing room are yelling, mom, all the moms look and it makes us crazy. Or maybe you're out on a playground and all of a sudden everyone starts yelling mom and it can make you crazy. But there's other nicknames. Sometimes we have good nicknames that we like and sometimes we have nicknames that we don't like. When I was in high school, my PE teacher, he took my last name Huber and he called me Hubster. I hated it, and I think he got some kind of sick pleasure in calling me that. It made me crazy. But my best friend in college, she gave me a nickname I actually liked, and she's the only one that gets to call me this. Now, my first name's Lisa. Do you happen to know a very famous art picture that has the name Lisa in it? Oh yes, the Mona Lisa. She derived my nickname that she calls me from that, and she's the only one who gets to call me that, and I like that one. So nicknames can be really special. Do you guys have a nickname? Share with someone in your room with you right now. If you have a nickname that you like, or maybe one that you don't like. All right, well, for all you kids and students out there, what is the first thing that your teachers want you to put on your paper before you turn it in? your name, right? Or how about when you go to a conference for the first time and they want you to write something on that little white sticker? What is it they want you to write? Your name. That's right, names are really important. Names are what are identify us as unique. They help people interact with us. They help people recognize us. They help people know who we are. So names are really special. I mean, it's way better than being a number, right? Can you imagine if we were all numbers? Hey, two, six, three, four, eight. Hey, four, eight, two, nine, one. I mean, so lame. Names are unique and so fun. Way better than saying, hey, you, to everybody around us. Now, names have been around for a very long time. Ever since there's been people, there have been names. And here's the good news today, you guys. 
God knows your name. God knows you and loves you by name. He loves you and he knows you by name. He knows all of us, each of us individually by our name. Even when you are hiding, God knows your name. Which takes me to a very amazing place in the Bible where God found someone that I'm not sure wanted to be found. You see, he was a fugitive. And when you're a fugitive, you kind of don't want people to know your name. You don't want people looking for you. You don't want people calling you out by name. You're trying to keep it down low, under wraps. You don't want to be discovered. Well, this guy, he really had been mm, kind of living a secret life ever since he was born. You see, back when he was a baby, there was an edict in the land from Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the land that he was living in Egypt. And he had ordered that all baby boys be killed. All Hebrew baby boys be killed. And he was Hebrew. And so his mom said, uh-uh, it's not happening. And she took him and hid him. She hid him just in a river right when a princess came. And the princess saw the baby and decided to adopt him. And so he grew up under the kind of the cloak of secrecy that he was Hebrew in this palace as a prince, as this, the, the son of a princess until the day that he went out and he became a fugitive because he killed an Egyptian. He killed an Egyptian because he saw him mistreating his people, the Hebrews. And after he took that Egyptian's life, his neck was on the line and he needed to get out of town. And so he took off, he left Egypt, and he went into witness protection in the wilderness. He decided to journey hundreds of miles away for a fresh start because Pharaoh was after him and wanted him killed. Well, this man ended up in Midian, out in the desert. And where he ended up, he met a girl, he fell in love, they got married and started having babies. And he started a brand new life as a shepherd hanging out in the wilderness. Well, he was just minding his own business, taking care of the sheep, enjoying his Diet Coke. Life was pretty normal. He'd hang out with the sheep all day. He'd go home to his family at night. But this day was unique. This day he looked out and he saw some smoke. And that was kind of concerning and unusual. And so he decided to come a little bit closer. And as he got closer, he saw that it was a bush that was on fire. It was, it was flaming and burning, but it wasn't burning up. It was just flaming. And all of a sudden, he heard something. And this is where we pick up the story in scripture in Exodus 3, 4. When the Lord saw that he, this man, had gone over to look at the bush, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. Oh man, Moses was undercover as a fugitive. He didn't think anybody knew where he was. And the God of the universe saw him and appeared to him in this spectacular way to get his attention and called him by name. God saw him. God knew him. God spoke to him. And in this moment, he said, Moses, I've got something to say to you. 
but don't come any closer because you are on holy ground. I want you to take your sandals off. So Moses took his sandals off and he was on holy ground as God spoke to him. And this is what God said. Then he said, God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So we've got an introduction here. God is in this burning bush, and he says, well, hello, I'm God. And God is about to do something. He is about to call a reluctant leader out of hiding and ask him to do a big thing. He goes on to tell Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to face down Pharaoh, and I want you to bring all of the Hebrews, the entire nation, out of Egypt. We're going to start over. We're going to free them from slavery. And Moses wasn't sure he was the man for the job. He had some words with God, but eventually he came to realize God was asking him to step up and Moses was going to do this. But Moses had another thought, and this is what Moses said to God. Moses said to God, okay, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. So just like that, we get an introduction. We get God giving his name to Moses. Now, no one ever named God. God named himself. God has naming rights of himself. And that shows his, his power and his authority that he is the one that names himself. It reveals that his, he is most powerful, and it reveals that his name, God's name, comes before all other names. Now, this introduction to Moses is a very important one in our Bible, but honestly, it's a little hard to wrap our heads all around the importance of this introduction. It's even hard to understand what it means. So I turned to the good folks at the Bible Project. They've got a great little three-minute video that we can watch that shows us how important this name is. Let's watch this together. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. We're going to look at the second key word here, Lord, written in all capital letters. This is the personal name of Israel's God. We first learn the meaning of this name in the story of Moses and the burning bush in the book of Exodus chapter 3. God appears to Moses and he commissions him to liberate the Israelites from slavery. And so Moses wonders, what if people ask the name of the God who has sent me? And so God responds, tell them, Ehyeh has sent me to you. Now, that Hebrew word Echyeh means I will be. In other words, God's name means that he is the one who is and who will be. God's existence doesn't depend on anyone or anything else. This God simply is. But 
It will sound kind of strange for Moses to go say to the Israelites, I will be has sent me to you. Only God can say, I will be. So in the next sentence, God tells Moses the version he should say aloud, Yahweh, the God of our ancestors, he has sent me to you. Now, that word Yahweh is the ancient Hebrew form of the verb he will be. And this is the personal name of the God of Israel. It appears over 6,500 times in the Old Testament. Now, here's what's interesting. Over the centuries, Israelites wanted to honor the sacred nature of this divine name. So, as they read the Hebrew Bible aloud and they came to this name, they stopped saying Yahweh and instead started saying the Hebrew word for Lord, which is Adonai. Now, this practice has been continued throughout the centuries. And so later, when people started translating the Bible into English, they adopted the same practice. Instead of spelling out the divine name, they translated it as Lord, spelled in all capital letters. Okay, you got that? Good, because there's more. Ancient Jewish scribes wanted to prevent anyone from even accidentally saying this name aloud when you read the Hebrew Bible. And so they came up with a visual device to remind you to make sure you say Adonai. They took the four consonant letters of the divine name. These letters correspond to our English letters, Y-H-W-H. Then they inserted the three vowels from the word Adonai and combined these together to create an artificial hybrid word, which if you pronounced it, it would say Yahuwah, but no Israelite ever said Yahuwah. It's simply a visual reminder to say the word Adonai. Now, it gets more interesting. Much later, Christian scribes came along who didn't know that Yahuwah was an artificial word. And so they began to say it aloud and spell it in their writings. This is the word that eventually entered into English as Jehovah. It's a word many people still use today. But the main thing is the word Lord in all capital letters is an indication of the divine name. Don't confuse it with the word Lord in your English translations that's not in all capital letters. That is the actual Hebrew word Adon, which just means Lord or Master. This word can refer to people like kings or the master of a servant, even a shepherd over his sheep. And sometimes biblical authors will use this word to refer to God, like in the phrases the Lord of all the earth or the Lord of lords. But behind all of these words, Jehovah, Lord, Adonai, stands the original divine name of the God of Israel. It refers to the one who was, who is, and who forever will be. Okay, so I am who I am. It's a big title, and it's kind of a big one for us to wrap our brains around. And this is why that scripture gives us a lot of different names for who God is, a different lot of different titles for who God is, so that we can have a better understanding of the breadth and the depth and the width, the height, the, the, the incredible vastness of who God is. Kind of like a big, deep canyon to better understand that. In fact, it makes me think of the Grand Canyon. Now, a number of years ago, when my kids were a lot younger, I scored an incredible deal on Black Friday and got us a trip, an experience to take to the Grand Canyon. And so my kids and I, Carl and I, packed up the kids and we went to the Grand Canyon. Well, we stayed in Williams, which is this little town outside of the Grand Canyon. And it's so fun. They do it upright. They do a whole Cowboys and Indians show and you get to take a real live steam train into the Grand Canyon. Well, Carl and I were all excited about this. We knew even on the on the train ride home, they were going to stop the train and like hold up the train and have a train robbery. 
I don't know if it would traumatize the kids or not, but we were all in, man. We were gonna behold God's beauty and enjoy this experience. So we left all the iPads, all the screens, all the activities, left it all behind in the hotel room, and we were just gonna enjoy the train, enjoy the scenery. Well, the train ride there was great, and we were getting off the train, we were taking the same train back because there was only one train in, one train out. And they, they said, you guys, have a great day at the Grand Canyon, but just be sure you're back here on time because the train leaves no matter what. It, it waits for no man, woman, or child. We left our stuff on the train, no problem. Well, we wandered around the Grand Canyon, had a great day. And the little ones all got tired, but we had so much fun hiking and seeing, oh, you guys, have you been to the Grand Canyon? The spectacularness of the Grand Canyon, the heights and the depths of what God has created, just spectacular. And as we toured and we saw these sites, we came to the time where it was time for us to get on the bus to get back to the train. We had plenty of time, so we got on the bus, but the craziest things kept happening on this bus. They kept going to all these like off the route stops. They'd stop and they'd do a bus driver change and have to do all this paperwork. They'd go sit at a bus station and just like wait at the stop for 10 minutes. And Carl and I were starting to get nervous. We kept looking at each other and watching our clock and they like seemed to have no urgency at all to make this train. And it was, it was getting tight. Like they finally started making their way to the train, but taking their blessed time at every stop. So finally, two stops before the train, Carl's like, all right, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting out here. I am going to go stop the train. Don't you just love a man who says he's going to stop the train for you and your family? Go Carl. So he takes off running as fast as he can. I'm with all the little kids still. So we get finally to the train stop. We get the kids off. We're ready to get on the train and we make it just in time to see the train pulling away in the distance, the steam puffing up as it, as it, it goes off in the distance to which all of my children promptly have a meltdown and freak out. The train left us. Daddy left us. I'm like, you guys, Daddy did not leave us. The train left us, but Daddy did not leave us. But there was horrible cell phone reception up there, so we couldn't really talk to each other. So we just started wandering around, and it's kind of hard to find each other up there. We finally found each other, went to one of the hotels and said, we'd like a taxi, please, and we pretty much got laughed at. There were no taxis, there were no buses, there was nothing out of the Grand Canyon the night, that night. The only option was that train. Well, we started calling everyone we could find, and we finally found one taxi company that would start way back outside of Williams and drive all the way into the Grand Canyon, pick us up, and then take us back. And so we had hours of waiting with none of our devices in hand. Oh man, it was quite a wait. We finally made it back, and I can tell you my kids have no excitement or urgency to go back to the Grand Canyon. If you ask them about it, their eyes will roll back in their heads. But the Grand Canyon is such a great example of all the vast names of God in the scriptures and why we have them, to help us better understand the name of God, who he is. Here are some of those titles. Advocate, Almighty, Alpha and Omega, Anointed One, Author and Perfecter of our faith, the beginning and the end, the bread of life, Carpenter, Chief Shepherd, the Christ, Comforter, Cornerstone, Deliverer, Emmanuel, Everlasting Father, 
foundation, friend of sinners, good shepherd, guide, head of the church, king of kings, lamb of God, light of the world, Lord of lords, Messiah, mighty God, morning star, physician, prince of peace, redeemer, refiner, resurrection, righteousness, rock, savior, servant, shepherd, teacher, truth, way, wonderful counselor, Beautiful names these are, powerful names of God. I actually love to encourage people to use these names in their prayer life with, with God so that they can broaden their understanding of, of who God is. I have an exercise where you can do this if you want to. You can go to lisatony.com slash names of God and you can download this exercise and do it if that's something that would be helpful to you to practice in your prayer life. Now, when God wrote his top 10 list, something about his name actually made it in his top 10 list. And it was actually number three in the lineup. The third commandment is to honor God's name. God's name became a mighty name in the wilderness for God's people to hold on to, to rally around, and to call upon. Exodus 27 says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, some people, they like to swear and say the name of Jesus or the name of God when they stub their toe or they get angry or they get frustrated. Some people like to say the name of Jesus or, oh my God, when they are shocked or surprised by something. And other people say the name of God maybe just to try and fit into our culture or try and sound cool. Maybe some of your friends or family say, oh my God, or maybe they say OMG, which is really just an abbreviation of the same thing on a regular basis and you're just really used to it. Or maybe you're someone that says that on a regular basis. You know how it can be really frustrating to you when people use your name in a way that you don't like? Well, what if God put number three on his top 10 list because he feels the same way? You see, his name is pretty unique and powerful and something he invites us to use and speak to him when we are talking to him. God, his name is, is powerful and holy and mighty. Now, holy means it is set apart. His name is different from everybody else's name and it is different for a reason. You see, when we say, oh my God, or Jesus is a swear word or a cuss word, or we say OMG about something that's not about our relationship with Jesus, it doesn't sit well with God. He is not a big fan of that. You see, even when God asks us to honor and respect his name, people really easily throw it around like their dirty laundry or like a chewing gum wrapper that they're done with. They just toss it about. I mean, all you have to do is watch Netflix or uh, go to a movie or listen to a lot of popular music and you will hear God's name being highlighted in all sorts of ways that seem to be pretty different from the way that God asks us to use his name. When he says, I want you to be careful with my name and care filled with my name. See, often we refer to this as taking the Lord's name in vain. Now, the word vain means that something is empty or worthless. 
So I've got a bottle of water here, and right now it's full. It's fulfilling its purpose. It's whole and good. But if I dump out this water, like I say the name of God in vain, then all of a sudden it becomes empty and not worth what the purpose what it was intended. A full bottle of water represents a name that is full and represents the power and the might in which it was meant to be. And when we take it in vain, it is just an empty, hollow shell of what it should be used to represent. All right, so it got me thinking, why is it that people use swear words at all? Why do we need to have swear words in the first place? Well, here's a few people's ideas. Finley Peter Dunn says, swearing was invented as a compromise between running away and fighting it out. Pretty good thought. Those famous theologians, Calvin and Hobbes, said, life's disappointments are harder to take when you don't know any swear words. Good words by Calvin and Hobbes. And then this author said, well, you call them cuss words, I call them sentence enhancers. Well, cuss words, including saying OMG or God or Jesus casually or flippantly, were created as kind of to use as a verbal expression or to vent strong emotion. Cuss words are used to shock other people or to insult other people. And we use them because there's an emotion inside of us that is hard for us to manage. And so we use this word as kind of a verbal assault on someone to try and get that out of us and push it over onto someone else, hoping that if they feel as uncomfortable as we feel on the inside, that it might help us somehow. Now, right now I'm teaching a Bible study on Wednesday nights and on Thursday morning for women, and it's all about our emotions and how Jesus wants to help us with our emotions. We go through one emotion a week and look at the Bible and what the Bible has to say about each of these emotions. And it's amazing as we discuss each one of them, how many of us were never taught how to handle our emotions well. And maybe this is one of the reasons that people turn to the name of God in vain and take his name in vain or use other cuss words because we don't have enough abilities to work through all those difficult emotions and so we use out these word bombs hoping that they will disarm our hearts and minds when we're upset about something. Emotions, they're hard to find ways to express but there are good choices that we can make going for a long walk, taking a deep breath, sighing deeply, even groaning. These could all be helpful without having to word bomb people. Well, God cares a lot about our word choices because words drive our behavior and shape our beliefs. Let's look at a couple of scriptures that talk about this. The first one is in Ephesians 4:29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And then the next one is found in Matthew 15, 11. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. So I wanna look just with our last few minutes at some of the benefits of keeping God's name as a name that you respect and revere and it might just become a really helpful faith habit that makes you better at life and makes your life better. 
All right, the first one is honoring the name of the God in your life will reveal respect to him to a, for him to a watching world. Now, when I was in fifth grade, I went outside for recess and we were playing marbles. And I was raised in a house where we weren't allowed to take the Lord's name in vain, but a lot of my friends said, oh my God, on a regular basis. And so I remember I just didn't feel like I fit in and I wanted to fit in. And so when it was my turn to take my marble shot, I did, and it didn't go the way I wanted. And so I said, oh my God. And do you know what happened? They all stopped and looked at me. And, they're, and one of them said, Lisa, we've never heard you say that before. And I said, what? I say that all the time. What are you talking about? And it really surprised me. They had noticed that that was a difference in me and how I spoke. I felt so guilty. I felt like so sorry. I had to apologize to God for that. See, James 1.26 tells us in scripture, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, they deceive themselves. That means we're lying to ourselves. And their religion, their faith, it's worthless. So our words really do have an impact on what people are watching. You see, the name that was given to Jesus, God's son, is a powerful name. And it was very intentional. Jesus' name means one who saves. And he does. He saves us. It is a name that is filled with hope and truth and life and healing. It is a name that is powerful. In fact, scripture tells us that there is a promise about this name in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. It says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And at every tongue, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, what a powerful name. All right, the second thing is honoring the name of Jesus in your life will give you access to that power, the power in the name. I sure want that. Do you want that? I mean, we get to call on that name whenever we need help, whenever we need um, help with making a decision whenever we are anxious and we want peace. We get to call on that name when we need wisdom. We get to call on that name when we need hope. That name is important and powerful. And scripture tells us in John 14, 11 through 14, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, right there, that is a powerful name. All right, and the third thing it gives us the opportunity to do is honoring the name of God in your life will give you the ability to be more creative with your words. So this whole discussion about honoring God gives us a great opportunity when we need to blow off a little steam to get a little bit more creative with our words. What are some things that we can say instead of taking the name of God in vain? Any ideas out there? I've heard a few. Fiddlesticks, curses, doggone it, jeepers creepers, oh golly. All right, let's hear them. I know you've got some good ones. What are some ideas that you have out there? Mm, how about, oh my stars, geez louise, son of a gun, son of a flying monkey. Ugh, 
Well, I can hear those ideas flying. And I want to encourage you, keep it going. Keep the discussion going after we are done here. Honor the name of God. Honor the name of God, for he is worthy.